As you know, we are trying to apply the chapters of Exodus. The first segment of the Lord's Day Live is a Bible class, Exodus Remembered. The second segment is a sermon, Exodus Applied. And so we take that same chapter that we're talking about in the Bible class now, and we're going to look at one specific, two specific, three specific, whatever. But generally it's one thread within that chapter that I feel like we can take and immediately apply into our own lives. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. However, before we get there, you know, I always give you five questions, and here they are. These are the five questions that you can use to uh, prepare for the rest of the lesson. Uh, you can also screenshot that and kind of fill in the blanks as you go, and uh, you will know where we hope to end up at the end of this particular sermon. Got it? All right. Exodus applied. <clears throat> I want to talk this morning about the realms of God's power. And I'm going to zone in on this particular segment, verses 1 through 9 of chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they'll not, let, not believe me or listen to my voice. They will say, The Lord did not appear to you. <clears throat> now, of course, God is sending Moses back to the children of Israel. And Moses is coming up with every excuse in the book. And one of them is, They're not going to believe me. How are they going to believe me? The Lord says to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it to the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand, he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So I'm going to give you this staff, and it's going to be central to you proving to them that I'm the one who sent you. Again, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, that they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile shall become blood on the ground. So there's three things that happen here in the evidences, list of evidences, that God says you can use these to convince the folks that, hey, I truly am sent by God. And I want to step through these and notice some of the applications that we can make to each of these areas. Again, realms of God's power. First thing I would like to bring to your attention is that God, obviously, one of the realms of his power is he rules over the creatures of the earth. Um, you come up here and he says, so he threw his staff on the ground and, and it became a snake, a snake. And then after it became a snake, God said, okay, now reach down there and pick it up. Now, there's a lot of things that we can make by way of application to these passages. And this might not be the first one that you think of, but it, it, it certainly was one of the first things that came to my mind with regards to creatures. Um, every, every night I have to walk down back here and, and I, I let the, the chickens, I put the chickens back into the coop actually. In the mornings I let them out, but, in the, but it's dark of an evening. And, and as I'm going down in there, I've got my flashlight and I'm looking around to make sure there aren't any, you know, uh, wild beast <laughs> out there ready to attack me. Uh, and uh, I'm not really afraid that I've got a bear or anything like that, but I, I've seen a lot of raccoons and, and uh, even skunks and that kind of, I don't want, I don't want to come up upon a skunk. 
And so, you know, there, there's that fear factor that is, is always there, kind of in the back of your mind. <clears throat> I want to draw your attention to something in this passage. It may have slipped past you in the past. I know it has for me. But notice he says, throw your, your, your staff on the ground. <clears throat> and so he does. And it doesn't sound like God gave him any heads up about what was going to happen. He throws it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And notice that it says here, and Moses ran from it. I would too. I hate snakes. You know, I, I've got to get, oh, you know, and move away. But the part of this story that is interesting is, has slipped past me in the, in the past is this. Slipped past me in the past. I've said that twice now. It's kind of hard to get it out. But it's this. Then he's going to say, Moses, here's what I want you to put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Now, you know, he's already been startled by the fact that his staff has become a snake. Startled to the extent that it says that he ran from it. So he's backing up. I don't know. <clears throat> now God says, grab him by the tail. That would have been the hardest part of the journey for me. <clears throat> to have the faith, <clears throat> sorry, to have the faith to do what God said. To grab it by the tail. So my application for you with regards to the fact that God's power rules over the creation or the created beings, creatures specifically, is that God's our protector. And <clears throat> Moses had to have some level of assurance in his head by way of faith. God's going to protect me if I pick the thing up by its tail. You know. Now remember, Moses has been the guy who's been wandering around the wilderness doing the shepherd thing for about 40 years. He's probably come across Cross many snakes, you know, in the process. Some of them, he's out there in the wilderness, probably very deadly snakes. He probably has learned to stay away from this snake, that snake, the other snake, you know, that kind of a thing. And so when God says, pick it up by the tail, the only way Moses is going to do that is if he acknowledges that this God who's speaking to him from the burning bush is going to protect him in the process. So let me, by way of application, say to you, there's a lot of things that God asks of us in the journey of life, many of which are, are they're like stepping off into the darkness. I don't know. And yet God says, you do this, and I, I will take care of you. I'm mindful of Psalm 23, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That passage is written for the living. When you walk through the presence of death, he says, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. God says, I know it's you're going down a path that you've never experienced before. I know that you're, you're going through situations that you don't know anything about. But he says, trust me, I got this. A lot like he's saying to Moses, grab that snake. And Moses reaches down in faith, and he picks it up. And when he grabs the tail, it evidently straightens out and it becomes his staff again. Moses had to have faith that that would happen. God is calling upon you and me from time to time to walk paths that are unfamiliar, that scare us. But we've got to have the faith to say, God, I'll grab the, I'll grab the snake by the tail if you tell me to. Number two, <clears throat> notice that one of the realms of power that he has, obviously, is over humanity, humans. Here's our passage put his hand inside his cloak, pulled it out, covered in leprosy. Puts his hand back inside his cloak, cloak pulls it out, and is restored to his, his fleshly form again. God can heal. God can take us through experiences in our life that seem to be hopeless. At the same time, we've got to have faith that God 
and his will is best. Sometimes God chooses not to heal. But knowing that God, our application, is the restorer, the great restorer, it even uses that word, does it not? So, yeah, restored like the rest of his flesh. Knowing that God is the great restorer, it brings things back together. You and I need to have great faith as we reach out and grab the tail of the snake, to use the first illustration. Even if the snake would turn on us and bite us, God could heal us from that. So now back to our, you know, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, walking through those difficult situations, we don't know what's on the other side, etc. But God, we know God wants us to go there. We need to go. Because even if there's harm waiting for us on the other side, God can heal that. He can restore that. The shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death. You know, nobody wants to go down that, down that path. Nobody wants to experience death all around you, or you yourself have to pass through that. But Paul will say that because of Jesus, death no longer has a sting. It no longer has a threat to you and I. That doesn't mean all of us desire to do it. But it means that if we have the faith that we need to in God, that God is the grand restorer, and on the other side of the door of death, guess what's coming? For the faithful, a restored body. And we need to not only look forward to that, we need to be people who, who with great faith are willing to, when he calls us, rush through that door. I'm ready to go. And so number two, his realm of power over humanity, he is the restorer. If we're going to have restoration in our life, we've got to go to him. And then number three, the third illustration or the third, the third evidence that he's going to give to, to Moses, the first one was his staff, the second one was the leprosy thing, and then the third one is going to be water to blood. We know he's going to use that one later on, but this idea of water to blood, take some water from the Nile. It's interesting in our context that he's not talking here about doing these things in front of, Moses, or in front of Pharaoh. Now, <clears throat> some of that's going to happen, but the, la uh, the, the staff to a serpent, we know, the, the, the uh, leprosy thing, I don't believe that happens. But uh, the, the third one happens here with regards to turning the Nile River into blood. We know that's going to happen. And so God, er, yeah, God's setting Moses up for not only what he is going to do for Pharaoh, because that's where we always focus. But remember, in our context, he's doing this to convince the children of Israel that he really is legitimate. Moses is coming and he's saying, I, I have been sent by God. I really have. Well, prove it. All right, throws a staff on the ground and it becomes a snake. Uh, hand in it and it becomes leprous. Uh, water and it becomes blood. All of that is to convince the people that Moses is truly from God. Later, he's going to go to Pharaoh. Okay, But <clears throat> coming back now to, to our, our application, this idea of water turning it into blood, God is in control of the natural realm. The rivers, the creeks, the, the leaves on the tree, the sun, all God's, God is in control of that. But the third application sounds pretty daunting or intimidating to you and I, and it should, because we've, we've been pretty positive up to now. You know, he can protect us, he can restore us. But number three, and I'm not so sure about what God had this in mind with the people, I can destroy you also. I'm in control of all of these things, and so be sober-minded when, when, when it comes to me and placing your faith in me. Now remember, these are going to be some of the most stubborn people we have in all of human record, as they're, they're going to see all these amazing miracles that God does, and then they're going to be just a few months outside of Egypt, wandering in the wilderness, and they're going to start whining and complaining because they don't have the water that they want, and as if God can't 
bring water. You know, these are some of the most stubborn, faithless people. That's why all of them are going to die in the wilderness, except for those two fellows that were faithful. But that being said, the lesson for you is that we need to recognize that God's realm of power, his realms of power, extend to the creatures, to humans, the natural realm. And the application is that he can destroy just as quickly as he restores or he protects. That's why probably one of the most, I don't know, intimidating to me, spiritually speaking, intimidating passages in all of this of Scripture is Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. But Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name cast out demons and do all these marvelous things? And at the end of that passage, verse 23, it says, Depart from me, you evildoers. These sound like good people. These sound like people who are expecting to go to heaven. Lord, we did this, that, and the other. But you go back to verse 21 and you find out exactly why they are called evildoers. It's because they trusted in what they thought God wanted, not in what the Father said he wanted. And I really fear for most religious folks today, because they're in the same situation as the Matthew 7 passage. Jesus himself said, few there be that find it. They're not going to be a lot. As far as comparison to the all those who have been created throughout the history of humanity, most of us aren't going. Just a few, just a remnant are going. And the reason is because we are trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in humans. We're trusting in what my favorite author wrote, my favorite preacher said, instead of trusting in God, going back to the scriptures and letting God speak for himself. So the big application for you is that God protects, restores, but he can also destroy. Matthew chapter 7, get away from me, you evildoers. And he, thrown into the lake of fire one day because they are people who trusted in themselves. They didn't trust in God. They didn't recognize that God can destroy those who do not trust in him. And so when you see the realms of power that God is demonstrating upon Egypt, you see the realms of power that still exist today. And you and I need to be especially sober-minded about this third one. All right. <clears throat> During this time together, we've covered those five questions. Again, screenshot that, and you'll be ready for your final test if you are a student of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies. You got them?